Well, as the sign says there up on the screen, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, anybody stay up, watch the ball drop last night? Okay. Some of you stayed up and watched something else, but we won't go there. But you made it here. <laughs> yeah, the ball dropped there too. You made it here this morning, so wonderful. Um, New Year's. Um, as far as a holiday goes, has not really been a, a big thing for uh, our family, um, but it does raise the, the the prospect of you know wondering what this year might hold for us. You know, as Ryan said earlier, there's nothing we can do. Twenty twenty two is gone. Some of you are glad that it's gone. You know, twenty twenty three has yet to be lived. And so it's full of possibilities. And so usually uh, when I have the opportunity to bring a New Year's Day message, it's along those lines. And uh, today is no exception. Um, But before I go there, um, uh, my son and I finally made it out to see um, Wakanda forever over the Christmas break. Uh, anybody see that movie? It's it's a Marvel movie. Okay, they, I thought they did a really good job of uh, giving tribute to Chadwick Boseman um, in the movie in, in different places. It was actually a really you know good movie, and of course, uh, if you made it for the previews, you know that this year there's at least a couple of new Marvel movies that are going to be coming out, as well as some new um, television shows on Disney Plus. Um, I've I've watched them all. I'm a Marvel fan. Uh, last year, one of the most unique ones, one that I did not think I was going to watch, was uh, a series called What If. It was an animated series that kind of went along uh, with alternate timelines in what is known as the metaverse uh, or the multiverse which I will not get into. Just think of like a parallel earth or a parallel universe. And the premise of the show was that what if the things that we saw happen in the movies didn't happen in this multiverse, in this uh, parallel universe, so to speak? How might things be different and uh, I, I thought it was interesting, uh, just looking at the titles for the episodes kind of gives you a clue to what I'm talking about. Uh, in episode one, what if, it was, what if Captain Carter was the first Avenger? So instead of Steve Rogers, all right, it's Captain Carter. So instead of Captain America, it'd be Captain UK or something, I don't, I don't even remember. The third episode, uh, what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? And so the, 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 the show kind of shows how they just one by one, you know, fall and, and die. The fifth one kind of takes that to the next level. What if the world's mightiest heroes were zombies? And, um, and so that was an interesting take on it. But that question, what if... Those two words can strike fear into our hearts. It provokes the imagination in one of two directions. The the first is in the direction of fear. It, It can paralyze us when we start thinking about what if. What if I lose my job and I can't pay the bills? What if my husband leaves me? Or I never get married or never have kids. 
What if, here's one that hits a little too close. So what if I get COVID or give it to somebody else? What if the cancer comes back? What if my husband or my wife or my kids never come to faith in Christ? I mean, I bet you if you stop to think about what if in your own life, you could come up with dozens and dozens of scenarios that just the prospect of it could paralyze you, cause you to be depressed if nothing else. You see, what if can sap the life out of you, but it doesn't have to lead to fear. we, We don't have to live in fear of what might happen or what might not happen. What if can also be words of faith and adventure? Think about it. What if I stop, what if I, what if I stop living in fear and start looking to Jesus? What if, what if God blesses me beyond anything I could think or imagine? Now there's a what if worth contemplating. And what if, what if I gain the victory over that sin that has plagued me my entire life? What if I get serious about my faith And what if my life actually made a difference in eternity? Those are great what-if questions. What if in 2023, God shakes you and me and this church so that great things happen? Let's dare to believe that in this coming year, God will do just that that great things will happen in our lives and through our lives and in this church and through this church. Let's, let's dare to believe this year that what if will be. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you uh, for carrying us through yet another year. For some, a, a year of tremendous difficulty and hardship. For others, 2022 was a good year. But Lord, we're entering into a new year and we need you to do again what you have done in the past, that you would be faithful to all of your promises, that as your word says, that your mercies are new every morning. And so Lord, each day of this New year, may we look to you to find these new mercies, these new um, acts of yours in which we can not only um, take refuge, but Lord, that we can rejoice that you are alive and at work. Father, I pray that this year that we would not be paralyzed with fear of what might happen or what might not happen, but Lord, that we would look to you and, and ask, what if you showed up? What if you did what your word says that you would do? What if we believed you? What if we trusted you? So Lord, I ask that this morning that you would just prick our hearts and our consciences, that you would speak to us and that you would prepare us for all that you want to do this year. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The book of Acts is a primer on new beginnings. It 
tells us how the church began, how it spread, how it grew. And there's much to be gleaned from it. A number of years ago, we actually went through the book of Acts. And if you look at it, you you get a clear picture of what God wants to do in and through us today. Even though it, it, it the events occurred 2,000 years ago, it tells us what God wants to do in and through us today. And this morning, we're going to be in uh, Acts chapter 4, looking at just a few verses, but I want to give you the context for where we'll be this morning. Peter and John had just healed a lame beggar, and he begins to proclaim the gospel. He begins to preach Christ crucified and resurrected. And the religious leaders didn't take too kindly to that. And so they have Peter and John arrested. And they um, want to know by what right do you have to do what you're doing? And Peter responds and says, hey, if if we're on trial for a good deed done to to this poor fellow here, let it be known to you and everyone else. It's it's by the name of Jesus that this man stands before you healed. But the real reason why they were in custody was because of the resurrection of the dead. That's what they were proclaiming. And unfortunately for the Jewish leaders, they were in an awkward position because they could not deny that a great miracle had just taken place and all the people were marveling. So the worst thing that they could do was threaten them. And so they told them, hey, you're not to talk anymore about this guy named Jesus. You're not to preach in his name. You're not to teach about him. To which Peter and John respond, well, whether we should obey you or God, you be the judge. But we cannot stop speaking about that which we have seen and heard. And that's kind of how it's left until we get now to Acts chapter 4, verse 23. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to that. So we pick up in verse 23. It says, when they were, they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices to God. And the next several verses um, give us their prayer, which concludes in verses 29 and verse 30. And now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit And continued to speak the word of God with boldness. As I read this passage a couple weeks ago, I began wondering, what if God shakes this place? Now, the place where they were gathered um, was likely shaken by an earthquake. But in Scripture, earthquakes were often um, a, a symbol or a token of God's presence and his power, as evidenced by the fact that they were again filled anew with the Holy Spirit. 
Now notice when the shaking occurred. It was after they prayed. And the same thing happened in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were in jail, in a Philippian jail. After they had prayed and were singing praise to God, suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the doors were flung open. And somehow this earthquake caused their shackles to become undone. Their bonds were loosed and they were able to escape. God has given us a wonderful privilege in coming to him in prayer. And though he does not often answer with an earthquake, he delights to answer prayer. Prayer that is prayed in faith and according to his word. So, what if this is the year we get serious about prayer? The early Christians were serious about prayer. They prayed continuously. Paul tells us we, we are to pray without ceasing. The early church father, uh, John um, uh, Christotum, uh, or Chrysostom, said this about prayer. He said, prayer is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. And the old English preacher Samuel Chadwick said this. He says, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. And why is that? It's because God answers prayer. God is all-powerful, and he responds to the prayers of his people. He doesn't need us to pray, but he delights in us coming to him in prayer. And prayer loosens, in a sense, the heavens so that God would act. And as I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking if, if we really want God to, to shake this place, we need to be serious about prayer. Now, if you struggle with prayer, and I, and I know a lot of people do, I have struggled with prayer. I have seasons where uh, I, I, I am fervent in prayer, and there are seasons where I, I just, it feels dry. It feels like cereal without milk, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but you persist in it. But if you struggle with prayer, or if you'd like to strengthen your prayer life, I'd like to recommend a, a resource to you. It's a book um, by Alistair Begg called Pray Big. Pray Big. Uh, it says, learn to pray like an apostle. <laughs> is that even possible? I mean, yeah, it is. Kevin DeYoung has this little thing down at the bottom. It says, helps you feel not just like you should pray, but that you can. Because I think sometimes we feel like, I, I don't know how to pray. The disciples felt that way, remember? Lord, teach us to pray. We don't know how to pray. Teach us to pray. And the Lord did. And so I would highly recommend that book to you. And another thing that I would say on the topic of prayer is, is that um, as a church this year, we're going to be placing more emphasis on prayer. So as we proceed into this year, you're going to see us praying more and in different ways. 
And we want to invite you to do that as well. What if this is the year we get serious about prayer? Now, notice what they asked God for in verse 29. They asked to continue to speak his word with all boldness. And in verse 31, God answers that prayer. It says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So what if this is the year not only that we get serious about prayer, but that we get serious about evangelism. Now, there's a scary thought. Now, there isn't much conversion growth in America, anyway, in the church. The, the, the growth that we see primarily comes from people switching churches and babies being born, <laughs> but primarily from people switching churches. The consumer mentality is pervasive within the church. If we don't like somebody's preaching, we don't like the style of music, we don't like the people, we'll just go somewhere else until we discover we don't like them very much either. And then we'll go somewhere else. On top of that, most Christians struggle, and maybe struggle's too kind of a word, but most Christians struggle with sharing the gospel with those who need to hear it. Uh, and on top of that, there, there isn't much boldness. There, there appears to be a corresponding lack of boldness when it comes to sharing one's faith. So we have to ask ourselves, where does the problem lie? And I think if you start with the premise of that, <laughs> that God so loved the world, if we start with the premise of Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we're all lost. If we start with the premise that God does not delight in the death of the wicked, but desires that the wicked should repent and turn from their sins and turn to him. If we start with the premise that God desires that all men should come to faith in Christ. Then... If we add to that the fact that God sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to pay for the sins of the world, for our sins, that he rose from the dead, breaking the power of sin and death, and that he gave us his Holy Spirit to empower us to preach the gospel then we have to ask, where does the problem lie? We know he's able to save. Is it possible that the problem is us? Maybe some of us have not been converted. That would be a cause for not sharing the gospel. Because you need to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel yourself. Maybe we don't know the gospel well enough to be able to, to share it clearly, to articulate it, 
in a way that others can understand. And, and maybe that keeps us in fear and keeps us from sharing it. We feel inadequate. Or maybe we just don't love the lost as we should. We at least don't love them enough to go to them and proclaim the gospel. Some of you have heard me quote one of my favorite saints of old, Leonard Ravenhill, who said this in one of his books, could a mariner sit idle if he heard the drowning cry? Could a doctor sit in comfort and just let his patients die? Could a fireman sit idle, let men burn and give no hand? Can you sit at ease in church with the world around you damned? I, I, I think we, we need to ask ourselves, how much do I care? How much do I really believe? Do I know the gospel? Have I responded to the gospel? Am I able to articulate the gospel to others? William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, said, if I could, I would have finalized the training of my soldiers with 24 hours hanging over hell to see its eternal torment. Most of us, if we were honest, we don't think about hell. Not very much. We certainly don't like the thought or the picture in our heads of family members going there next door neighbors, co-workers, but maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to come to grips with what we say we believe. Do we really believe there's a place called hell and that people are going there in droves? Jesus said many are going to be going down the road of destruction. Few are those who find the way to life. The road to life is narrow, he said. The path to destruction is wide. I don't think if we really believe that and we took time to think about those whom we love, not saying anything about people we don't love, but just the people that we love, I think if we really believed that hell was real and that people were destined to go there apart from Jesus Christ, I think we'd be more active sharing our faith. I don't think there's anything that could keep us from sharing our faith if we truly believe that. What, what I'm wondering is, is it's, it's maybe the problem is we haven't been shaken. God hasn't shaken us to our core. Maybe we're trying to live the Christian life in our own strength. We go through the motions. We do everything. Hey, anybody, we can all read the Bible. And we can all pray and we can all sing songs without any aid of the Holy Spirit whatsoever. And it's possible that some of us think that because we do those things that we have completely yielded ourselves to his lordship and that his power is flowing through our veins. I want you to see the connection between the Holy Spirit and evangelism here in verse 31. It says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You know, Jesus told his disciples back in Luke 24, Stay in the city. Don't leave until 
you are clothed with power from on high. Evidently, Jesus thought this was very important to the success of the mission. Stay in the city. And then if you fast forward to Acts chapter 1, Jesus says to his disciples again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now some translations say they began to speak. Perhaps yours does. That's wrong. The ESV correctly interprets the Greek word laleo as continued to speak. It is in the imperfect tense, which describes an action that occurred in the past, but is continuing with no end in sight. So it's something that began in the past, but is continuing onward. They had been doing it, and they are continuing to do it. Now, this also raises another interesting question. It's just because the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, and since that time, the Lord had been adding to their numbers uh, those who were being saved. By Acts chapter 4, there were about 5,000 believers. So, why another filling? It's a good question. I think the answer is fairly simple. It's because the Christian life is a daily walk that requires daily power. It requires us to be dependent upon him daily. Not just last Sunday or Friday, but every day of the week, every hour of every day. There is a relationship here between Holy Spirit power and expectant believing prayer. A daily walk with Christ requires daily power. God wants us to come to him for our daily bread as well as our daily power. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually to live for Christ and to be an effective witness for him. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. It carries the idea of being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Now what's interesting here is that the onus is on the individual to be filled Whereas back in the book of Acts, in chapter 4, it, it, it's something that God has done in response to their prayers. But here, there seems to be a responsibility. And the only thing I can think of there is that, you know, when, when you've got a glass full of something and you try to pour something else into it, it doesn't work very well. And I think what, what Scripture is telling us is that if we're to be filled with the Spirit on a daily basis, then we've got to be empty vessels. We, our, our lives can't be filled with a bunch of junk, with sin, with rebellion, with half-heartedness. We have to be yielded to God for Him to be able to fill us. 
But when he does, he fills us to overflowing. I love that response by by D.L. Moody, the evangelist, when he was asked why he felt he needed to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. His reply was simply, I leak. (laughs) We do, we leak. We're earthen vessels. And we're to contain the Spirit of God. You know, we leak. But praise God, he will continue to fill those who are yielded to him. Too many Christians are living on last year's blessings, last year's filling. When we're filled with the Spirit, there will be corresponding power and grace. And we see that in verse 33. It says, and with great power... The apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. This is amazing what prayer can do. It's amazing what God can do, what the Holy Spirit can do in us and through us. And I suppose now I can give a shameless plug that later in the spring, uh, I'm gonna uh, preach a a three-week series on evangelism. But in, a, in addition to that, I'm going to offer uh, three weeks of training on evangelism. Um, right now, the plan is to do it on a Sunday evening. Um, but we're, we're going we're gonna to use a tool uh, put out by the North American Mission Board called the Three Circles. I've already used my D group as a guinea pig, um, and they have done a remarkable job learning how to share the gospel using a, this tool called the three circles. And, uh, it, you know, if, if we're going to be serious about evangelism, then we need to know the gospel, we need to know how to share it, and then we need, we need to be lit. We need to be on fire. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to do a deep work in us, to push us out of our comfort zones, to love people with the love of Christ, and, and to be overjoyed with the prospect of being able to tell other people about Jesus. So that's coming up later this spring. So what if this year we get serious about prayer and we get serious about evangelism? And what if this year we get serious about being the church? Take a look at verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common Verse 34, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed each as any had need. I want you to notice the breadth and the depth of their commitment to one another. Now it says, the full number of them, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. The NIV 84 says, all the believers. The the CSB says, now the entire group. 
the New American Standard says, and the congregation, or in the footnote, the multitude of those who believed. So Luke is not describing a select few. He's not talking about super saints. He's talking about the totality of those who believed. They were all on team Jesus. They loved one another and they were knit together by the Holy Spirit. They had a deep sense of unity or oneness that resulted in no one saying that any of the things belonged to them were their own. They held everything in common. With one heart and soul, they voluntarily gave of their resources to meet the needs of others. That word voluntarily is a key word because that's the difference between this and communism. They gave willingly, voluntarily to meet the needs of others. To be of one heart and one soul means more than attending a worship service on Sunday. It means that we're committed to each other and we are invested in each other's spiritual growth and well-being. It means we care enough about one another to give of our time and our energy and our resources and our gifts to see people growing in Christ's likeness. This is what it means to be the church. And, and I, I keep thinking about that phrase, the full number, everyone. What if, what if this was the year, the full number of us chose to be of one heart and soul? What if the full number of us were part of a life group in this church what if we all found a, a place of service? What if this was the year of sacrificial sharing and cheerful, generous giving? What if, we, what if we didn't just say we love each other, but actually did? And what if this year we just decide to get serious about being the church? the church that Christ came to save. You need the church, and the church needs you. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place by God, for God, by the Spirit. So what if this is the year God shakes this place. 
What if this is the year God shakes you and me? Say, well, how might he do that? Well, for some of you, maybe God wants to shake you from your spiritual slumber. Maybe he wants to shake you from your stubborn self-sufficiency and pride. What if God shakes all that can be shaken just to get us to a place of total dependency upon him? And what if this is the year that God shakes us to the point that we become a blessing to everyone we come in contact with? What if are words that can paralyze us into inaction. They can paralyze us with fear, but they don't have to. They can be words of faith. They can be words of adventure. And before I close, I'd like to have you consider two other words that are related. Why not? Why not? I don't often quote Robert Kennedy in one of my sermons, but I love this quotation. He said, some men see things as they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. As Christians, um, we have a God who specializes in doing the impossible. We have a, we have a God that nothing is too difficult for him to do. So let's believe him for great things this year. Let's dare to believe him for the possible and the impossible in our lives and in the life of this church. Church, let's dare to believe that what if will be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for your word to us and the reminder that, Lord, that you want to use us. You want to work through us to spread the gospel that others might come to your banquet table. Lord God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us for service. And thank you for your word whereby we get to know you and understand you and understand ourselves and know how to communicate the good news of Jesus. So Lord, I pray that you would use us this year, that we would dare to dream, that we would dare to say, why not? And what if, what if you shake us, shake this place for your glory, for our good, and the betterment of others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.